three, two, one. <laughs> Listen, Father Anthony, I got a bone to pick with you. Oh, How oh, dare oh, you? Why? How, How oh. dare you? How dare you say I have no rhythm? Uh, I don't remember saying that. Uh, you said it. It's on the podcast from last week. Oh, okay. If you say so. You can I always say it. nice things about you whenever you're gone. I listen to it. Oh, I listened to most of it. I haven't finished it yet. But uh, hmm. at the beginning, you're like, yeah, Father Harrison has no rhythm. Well, you know, if I were, if I did say that, which I'm not saying I did, uh, it would be because very often I feel like the when we do the three, two, one clap, you're you're off. Uh, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's a three, two, one, and clap is another, it's, it's part of the beat rhythm, you know? Yeah, I so, know. three, two, one. Yeah. That's what but I do. You don't do that yes, very often. Do. That's, what, that's, that's what I do all the time. Okay, agree to disagree. I have, I, 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 have, I have rhythm, man. I have rhythm. No, okay. No, I have rhythm. Yeah, I mean, you sound awful defensive. I, because I mean. I'm angry, okay? <laughs> I'm angry and I'm hurt. I have rhythm. I like dance. Maybe for this like, is part of my grand plan to make you so angry that you had to come back on the podcast. I I danced for so long. I DJed like swing dancing. I like I competed in this stuff. You have to have rhythm to do that stuff. You have to know how to listen to the beats of the music and to move your body to it. I mean, to be good, yeah, yeah. And I was good. Okay. Just I mean, you just sound real defensive. I don't know. I'm not defensive. I'm angry. Okay. I'm hurt. Oh. I'm offended. Oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing podcasts when you're not on them because I get to mess with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was, like, yelling in the car. I'm like, what? <laughs> what a lie. What a lie. Anyways, mm-hmm. no, I'm back. Yes, thanks for uh, holding down the fort last week. I Yeah, I had a cold and wasn't feeling that great last Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was also like the worst time for a cold. So here's the thing for any priest out there. Who's a pastor here. Mm-hmm. Here's a little tip I've learned this year, a tip for all those pastors, yeah, for all the pastors who listen, because we know we've, we've got thousands of them who listen, right? So and they've all probably been a pastor longer than you, but exactly. Continue. But listen, <laughs> wisdom, be attentive, right? <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, like, don't worry. You know, you might be youthful, but don't let, you know, let your wisdom and your, 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 your piety show your, itself through your youth, you know? So okay. just, you know, just because I'm young doesn't mean, or I'm younger as a pastor, I should say, doesn't mean I don't have some wisdom to share. And mm-hmm. it's simply this, never take a long holiday in the fall, ever, ever. Yeah. Never, ever do a week. That's fine. Three and a half weeks followed then by your priest retreat. Horrible idea. Um, turns out a lot of stuff happens in parishes in the fall. It does. I mean, so listen. So this, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going on holidays next week. I'm actually, I'm, every day it gets closer. I'm looking way more to it towards, like yeah. looking forward to it way more. Because I've just, I am, a, I'm a little, not burnt out, but just tired. Like yeah. there's just more stuff than I can possibly do that needs to get done before I leave. Um but yeah, so and I'm doing this because I couldn't get replacements this summer. And oh, yeah. I barely got any holidays last year because of COVID and being moved. I'm like, I need my, my month's holidays this year. So I took, I'm actually taking a few extra days this year. Nice. Because I was like, do what? I didn't get all my holidays last year. COVID's been sucky and it was a stressful year and I just need a few extra days. So I'm going, I'm just doing it. So I leave next Monday. I'm looking forward to this. But yes, um, and part of it's, listen, part of it's not my fault. Like, so for example, you're doing, you're trying to do marriage paperwork, for example. And yes. I email people in September saying, I'm gone, 
by like October 20th or whatever it is. And I need to get this done before I go because like one of them, their wedding's in December. Yeah. So I'm like, and it's, it's not worth with me. It's somewhere else. So you got to get from our diocese to their diocese, all that stuff. He's not baptized. So we need that freedom to marry all that, all that jazz. It went three weeks without getting a response back from them. And then I get an email last week. Oh, hey, Father. Yeah, so, yeah, we can do this before you leave, but we're only free on the weekends. I'm like, nope, sorry. Sorry, I am not free on the weekends. My weekends are booked before I leave. Uh, So that's not going to work. So I'm hoping and praying that you can find some flexibility in your schedule Mm -hmm. to do this in an evening during the week. Because, And I, I said, here are my three evenings I have free to do paperwork. And that's it. That's all I have. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, anyways, we got it done, thankfully. But it's like, you know, I've got uh, the assistant to the JV is is leaving. Our judicial vicar is leaving at, next, at the end of the week. So the J, And the JV is also our vicar general and yeah. our rector of our cathedral. <laughs> so he needs the assistant. And, and the assistant does a lot of the, the stuff and just essentially prepares things for him to sign often when it comes to marriage paperwork. And mm-hmm. so the JV, the, the judicial vicar's uh, like, can you... Uh, can you get that stuff in before he leaves, please? Because I don't know if I'll get things done in a timely fashion after he's gone until we hire someone new. And so mm-hmm. that's been part of the reason. So I've got like six marriage files that are being scanned today and being nice. sent off. And then I'll send the physical stuff following, but that way they have it on file there. So you got that stuff. We're doing a triduum uh, in honor of Our Lady with uh, October 13th coming around, with which is the mm-hmm. Miracle of the Sun from Our Lady of Fatima. So you got that young adults, you know, just in parish administration stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know. So I'm realizing very quickly, I mean, I've known this is a problem for me since forever that I say yes to too many things. And I'm definitely feeling that um, for sure. And it's like, I got to be better about this. I'm every time I get a little bit better, which is good. But so they had that, but then it's like, I'm also realizing, and I've known this, but I'm really just not good at organizing things. Yes, we've spoken about this before. And like, I don't know about you, but I feel like, and I, I mean, I guess it's it's, it's, a little, it's different, obviously, when you're an associate. But like, how much stuff does the how much does the pastor have to be involved in every little decision about every little ministry? Would you say? Oh man, um, I mean that depends on what the pastor wants to do. Um, Okay. And also depends on the people and how, how so, crazy they are. And I love my parish very much. And it's, I don't, it's just, I think there's been a culture that's developed here of father wants to know every little thing that's happening. Yeah. And wants to be involved in every little decision that has to have to do with every little thing. Yeah. That makes for crazy. It does. Yeah. And I can't like, do that. And it's like, mm-hmm. but I'm also noticing that like, I've just like, I'm like telling people you, it's your ministry, do what you think is best. Like, here's your general guidelines and go nuts. I trust yeah. you do your thing. Yeah. But it's been getting a lot of, well, father, what about this? What about this little thing? I'm like, just do what you want. But it's like, cause I'm realized, but then things start to fall apart if I don't get too involved because mm-hmm. they're just not used to the priest. I'm not, I'm not even hands off. It's just, like I, I'm trying to figure out ways to organize my life better in terms of even how to f- govern all this stuff, which is hard because it's just I don't care about little details. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be good at that. But 
I need to find ways to, I, and I got to find ways to communicate to people. Listen, when I say it's your thing, go nuts. If I have a question, I'll ask you. If you got a question, you can ask me, but I meant to say, do you do what you think's best? Because like, I'm looking at all the stuff that everyone, everyone wants to ask me my opinion on. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> people do not like that answer. I have found. They don't because, but it's like. I don't. I care about you, but this I, decision, yeah. just do something. Just do just something. Do something. Yeah. But it's tough. That's, that just takes time. It's kind of the same situation here. Uh, the previous pastor was a bit of a micromanager, and the current pastor is not. And that just takes adjustment in time. Also, different people need to be managed differently and all that jazz yeah. and whatever. So it just, uh, you'll, you'll be okay. We'll, I know we'll I'll be okay. okay. It's just, I... I think it's, and I'm not a micro, I don't, well, I, I had that tendency initially, but I've, I've moved away from that because if I do, I will go insane. I just don't have yes. the time to do that yes. stuff. And good. I need to do stuff like, you know, good administration in the office and be available for pastoral calls and all that jazz. So it's just like my parish, I'm just really learning these last few months. It is definitely bigger than my last parish. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. But it's good. Like, it is good. We, we uh, yeah, things are good. We, we start up our young adult group here, and that's going well. We had a great turnout for the Marion Tribune first talk last night. I'm writing the second one today. I over, you're going to love this. I actually, the first thing that came to mind was like, when I over prepared my talk was after, afterwards, because I, I thought I prepared a half hour talk. It turns out I had an hour talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, it's kind of Italian if you think about it, you know, because you go to an Italian meal. There's always way more food than anyone could possibly eat, right? Why? Because you don't want anyone to get go hungry, right? And it's the same thing with me with talks. It's like I don't want to underprepare because I don't want to like show up and say, "Here's 20 minutes when I promised you 30." So then I overprepare, and it's like there's too much, right? So I was like, "That was very Italian of me when it comes to content." There was a uh, I did a funeral a few weeks back, and one of the family members wanted to do a eulogy, and we allow that, so whatever. Uh, and good guy, you know, uh, and good family. The funeral was beautiful. But uh, he said, uh, I said, five minutes. Mm-hmm. Because you have to keep it to five minutes. Because, you know, and he goes, okay, I'll, I'll give you an Italian five minutes. Mm. And he knew what that meant. And I knew what that meant. And I was like, no, 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 five waspy minutes. <laughs> you can't do, you know. <laughs> so, yes, I do understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually have the rule. I actually say to people, five to seven minutes, that's 500 to 700 words. Yeah. Actually, we asked to see it beforehand because there's been a few times things oh, yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. We do the same thing. Things are, you know, I'm like, nah, this is not appropriate to talk about here or whatever, you know? Or okay. can you please mention something about their faith? <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Clarity Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. Sorry, I'm talking. <laughs> you see, I'm talking way too long now, so. <laughs> yeah. You go nuts. You must, because, you must have missed our conversation exactly. from uh, last week. So now you're just pouring everything I was out. Pouring every, I, got, I actually have stuff to update with, you know, because we're only recording one podcast today. It's great. Beautiful. Okay, so I, I met a video game person yep. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, uh, his video game handle is uh, OSHA RN, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and his wonderful wife yep. were in town for a concert. They came to my parish. We went out to eat. I showed them the church. And he brought me the one th- gift that no one has ever given me as a priest. It's something I've wanted for a long time. No one's given it to me. He brought it. He brought me moonshine. Whoa, nice. And I'll be honest. At first, it wasn't a whole bottle of moonshine. It was just a little bit of moonshine. Yeah. And I was like, well, I was going to be a little disappointed, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's on me. It was free moonshine. He came and visited me with his you know, lovely wife. So, but my, my fallen humanity, I was like, that's, that's just, you know, it's like a third of a bottle of moonshine. What the heck right. is this? Right. And then I had a little bit. 
And I was like, this is enough moonshine. This is this is plenty of moonshine, yep. maybe for the rest of my life. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What's the alcohol content on that? Uh, this one, let's see. Uh, I think it's like a 70. Holy something. smokes. 76.5. Yeah. I'm gonna, and in honor of him yep. and uh, my Destiny 2 clan, I'm going to have a little sip. A little sip right now. Here we go. A really good thing about this is I have I have no more nose hair. It all just burns <laughs> up and it's just gone. It really cleanses um, everything. Mm. Everything. And it's... Uh, uh, I, so, uh, yeah. I, did I ever tell you the story about the moonshine that was made at seminary? <laughs> no. So my last year, one of the guys in seminary, uh, he was when when spring was coming, pine needles are falling and stuff. So he collected a lot of the pine needles and sugar like moonshine is very easy to make right and so he put it all together and made like a kind of a pine needle moonshine and it was okay. finished just around exam time uh oh no it, uh you know making alcohol in the seminary was was then since banned not that there's any problems but you know maybe not the best place to do this it's stuff probably not a great idea yeah. <laughs> uh, and the guy the guy was he's, he's not an alcoholic or anything he's just like one of these guys he just likes to do this stuff right and it was do just fun projects, do fun projects yeah. like this right but it was i had a sip and i was like it was actually really dangerous because it tasted like Christmas in a cup, mm -hmm. even though it was like Easter time. It was yeah. like it was it was so tasty, and I was like, I'm glad I'm only having a little bit because I this is too easy to drink. They can be they can be quite yummy. Yeah, uh, this one doesn't have like a flavor to it. It's kind of sweet actually, mm -hmm. but it um, it burns you up pretty good. It what wets you up pretty good? It burns you up. Burns pretty you good. up pretty good. Yeah. You else burns people up pretty good? <laughs> what? The Summa Tweetalogica? <laughs> Great. Summa Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica. record I've, I've begun my day off so it's i don't have any other priestly ministry to do uh, this you're like hey one o'clock i'm like ah i see just I see. taking some sips <laughs> some sips just a little sip um the summa theological saint thomas aquinas the summary of theology and the summa tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on twitter this one is from at honey tongue muse that's father ambrose yes he says i've run out of bookshelf space again Time for another purge. <laughs> what? Right? <laughs> 55 likes. I respond, no. You buy another bookcase. 70 likes. Mm-hmm. Who's right here? That's all I got to say? Who is right? It, see, the duty of a priest is to keep collecting books yep. over the course of your lifetime. Yep. So that every move that you make is subsequently more difficult. And then when you die, someone has to deal with your five million books. Yep. Those are just the rules. I didn't make them. Exactly. And he's like, you know, he actually, he, we had a little discussion about this. Cause I'm like, Hey, I got more likes than you. So, you know, 
And he goes, luckily, that I That is the rules as well. If you get more likes, then you are correct. Uh, right? On Twitter. This is how Twitter works. I mean, this is always how Twitter's worked, right? So, um, but he's like, luckily, I make my decisions based on virtue and not likes. But the virtuous thing to do is to suffer more. And the more books yeah. you have to pack and carry around, the better. Therefore, the more virtuous thing is to buy another bookshelf and put it together. Find space. Take your clothes out of the closet and put a bookshelf in the closet. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, Find the priest, space. Do you have a duty to continue to learn yes. and to study? Yeah. So does he uh, Does he hate studying? I think he hates studying. I mean, it sounds very unvirtuous yeah. to me. What would Fulton Sheen yeah. say? That's what I got. He, he, yeah. Yeah. Right? So shame on shame on <laughs> Father Ambrose. <laughs> sorry, Father Ambrose. <laughs> I had to go I'm after not, this. I'm not sorry. I had to go after this one, but yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, you do just, better. I just always buy another bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, where I am, I, I, I'm the only guy in the rectory, and so I can put a bookshelf wherever I want. Mm-hmm. My chapel is my library, and then I have other bookshelves in my kitchen or my dining room. Perfect. It's great. It's wonderful. Okay, so speaking of priests, let's uh, read a tweet from Father Michael O'Loughlin. And uh, he's responding to one of uh, Producer Nick's tweets about just name your top five saints. And he says, I'm Byzantine, so Venerable Gorgon Suthimus of Kumandalunis, uh-huh. <laughs> the uh, woman martyr Ateria Ustabeunchaste, John the Weird-Eared, <laughs> Equal to the apostles and hierarch of Rhode Island and all Earth, Ed, <laughs> and Origin. So <laughs> I, I I don't know which one of these are real. <laughs> I can't tell. I didn't realize that there are so many weird Byzantine saints. I assume they're real, but I don't know. Why is the East so weird? Father Michael, why are you so weird? Why do you have such weird saints? Why can't you have like Saint let's, Bob? Let's, or uh, let's let's we should effort this one. I'm gonna well the easiest one to type. Yeah. Let's let's look into this. Yeah. I mean, so or, you, you you Google that and I'll, I'll I'll keep vamping. Okay. So I'm like, I responded, most blessed Bibli Skibli Jakoblik Schmerble the Hermit. Like I know there's some like weird names, but like even like there's some very normal Eastern names. Saint Charbel, wonderful Eastern priest, kind of like the Eastern Padre Pio easy enough to say you know and i'm okay with a few titles the hermit the venerable or whatever but some of these names i don't i don't think they're real i think he's just messing with twitter he is absolutely messing with twitter you you look up john the weird eared and there's nothing oh that's actually really disappointing because that's the one i thought would be real because it'd be just like oh now i'm really sad he was you deceived me father michael you deceived I'm me i'm sorry i'm sorry to 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 pop your bubble i mean i maybe one i mean i don't i don't is or i don't even think origins a uh a saint in the he's definitely not in the east in, because in, he should be that's a whole different conversation you know that actually brings us maybe to our next tweet i'm gonna do another one okay i'm gonna do another one here this one's mm-hmm. from uh cindy woods Wood, wooden at cindy underscore wooden Pope Francis says that he will declare St. Irenaeus, the 37th doctor of the church, coming from the east and exercising his episcopal ministry in the west. He will be known as the doctor of unity. I like so it. So let's, you know, let's just continue that church father thing there. I was like so excited about this. Irenaeus is such a powerhouse of the very early church. He's probably, I would, I mean, because like, I always forget when he rough, I think he was like, um, 300s, 400s? I always forget roughly when he was. No, no, yeah, that's what I thought. He was second century, yeah. Second century, okay. Second century, wow. he was born in 130. And so he, I would argue, I think he's really outside of like St. Paul. 
he's really like the first true theologian right like outside of scripture he's really the first because he's going he, he writes a lot of stuff against gnosticism right which was yes. definitely very prominent at the time and some of his stuff is actually very fun he like openly mocks gnosticism in his writings yeah. and just makes fun of them and how silly they are yeah so um um he's he's uh, it's just i'm Anytime a church father is named a doctor of the church, I'm always excited. You know, it'll be interesting to see when the, the formal declaration happens. I'll be interested to see why the Pope chose this. And like, so it's interesting he's calling him the doctor, doctor of unity. That's really cool. Yeah. But also, like, because Irenaeus' stuff is Gnosticism. So why, what is the Pope seeing? in the Like, often when a doctor is declared, it's because not only do they have something to teach us, but like they're also like there's something enduring to their teaching so what is it that's endure like i mean i think there is enduring stuff and i think actually it is around this anti-gnosticism gnosticism stuff my guess is because isn't his big thing or one of the things that uh people go back to is his argument about apostolic um succession yes he actually let me just i think it was just in the office of readings actually i'm just gonna i took a screenshot of it from the ibrary app if it was load uh Oh no, that was Saint Ignatius. Sorry. Um, anyways, I, yeah. I always get them confused because they yeah, start with the I and I both know. church fathers. But like, I think one of those things was was apostolic succession. How do you know the authority of the church from the unbroken chain of the apostles? Right. And that strikes me as a very unificating uh, theology. Right. Um, even more so than the fact that he was from the east and ended up in the west. Uh, that makes sense. Like that, because uh, we believe this about. Um, of course, you know, the Byzantines are, they're part of our church, but even the uh, Orthodox, mm -hmm. they have genuine apostolic succession, um, real sacraments, mm -hmm. and that's a thing that binds us incredibly closely in so many ways. Absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, so the, uh, yeah, so I'll be, I'll be interested to see what happens when it, when it, when it, when the day comes. I can't remember, I read it somewhere where, when that's happening, but I forget right now. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Are we done? I don't have another one. Oh, right. oh, do you want me to do another one? I can do it. It's up to you. One. It's up to you. We, or we can just continue. I, I'm, I'm just like you remember. I don't like to micromanage, man. I like people to be free. I like people to That's be true. free, man. So you don't have to do one. Okay, this is one from Elizabeth Brunig. Uh, she deleted it because I think she deletes her tweets. But she said, "Give all of your money to nuns." Yes. No comment. Just true. And listen. Actually, give all of your money to give nuns. all your money to nuns because the daughters of St. Paul, they need a new snowplow because their old one broke down, essentially. And their property is huge. It's massive. Like, mm -hmm. and so and they have nuns who are trained to do this stuff, but you cannot do this by hand. You need a proper snowplow. The, so apart from like just being a beautiful work of charity, supporting religious yeah. life and the poor, because sisters, I mean, they are poor. Apart from that, imagine a sister in a habit and a snow coat. Yeah. Using a plow. Like, that's that's great stuff right there. Yeah. That's a beautiful, hilarious image it's amazing. in my mind. It's amazing. And so you can be a part of that. I think most of the Pauline sisters on Twitter are have been tweeting about it. So, like, look one of them up, and you'll see a yeah. link there. Because uh, they need to raise $50,000 to do that. Yeah. It, it, it ain't cheap. Um, so, if you can help them out, that's a great place to give your money to nuns, too. Yep. Word. Okay, now I'm done. All right. Let's do some presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral 
exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. <laughs> yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. None of this layperson pastoral council junk. No. We don't need lay people on this podcast. Spiritual, spiritual. Da 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 da. It's a weird episode. <laughs> we got some weird energy. We got very. I think it's the. I'm in that like. I'm going to be weird because I have so much stuff to do that I need to like. I just be silly almost like I can Your chase away the broken. stress. You know. Chase uh-huh. away. Listen, getting sick last week was like the worst time. Like in some ways, it was a great time to get sick because it meant I didn't get sick before my flight, mm-hmm. which would have sucked. Um. But it's also the worst time to get sick because it literally shoved everything into these eight days. So it is what it is. But anyways, so I had one of our listeners um, who, who DM'd me on Twitter asking about prayer. He's, he's a convert from, from, from Protestantism. And he was just talking about how he had this experience one day. He was praying in the church in adoration and how he felt suddenly invited to just put down everything and just sit in silence with God. Mm, and mm. so he was like, well, how do I know that's from God? Mm-hmm. I thought, he goes, do you think, I'm like, actually, that's a great question. This is my basic answer, but I think that's actually a good podcast topic. I mean, we've talked about the Sermon of Spirits before, right? And, and I think that's helpful. But I think when yeah. it comes to like, how do we know when there's maybe a little nudge of the Holy Spirit there? Because he said that he's noticed a lot of Catholics speak this language. You know, I experienced that God was moving me to do this, right? And I, 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 I will kind of put a little caveat right away. I do think it gets overused too much, right? Uh, at, if you listen to last week's podcast, the end. I haven't gotten to uh, the end yet. Nick talks about this a little bit in a very hilarious and good way. Right. Like, it, it kind of can go into the whole over-discernment stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, but it's, it's not really that. It, it's, it's, yeah, how do we know? Yeah, let's just ask that question. I'm just gonna I'm gonna start by asking you, how do you know God's inspiring you to do something, and and how do you know it's from God? Hmm. Um, so, I guess I'll start by saying this is something that you get better at with practice. Yeah. Um, that you prayer is like a language that you continually learn over time. And it can get to the point, and you don't have to be like super duper spiritual, but if you pray regularly, you can get to the point fairly quickly where most of those little movements of the Holy Spirit, you know what they are, you can follow them pretty peacefully. Right. Peace is a good indicator that it's from God. It's like number one, so, I would say. Like you, you feel a movement of the Spirit to do a thing. The thing isn't morally wrong. It's not against scripture. Um, and that's another thing that's important with the church. Like we do have rules. Mm-hmm. Like, if something is against scripture, it's not from God. I don't care. Yeah. It's just not. Yep. If it's something that's against the church, not from God. Yep. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, yep. not from God. Okay? Yep. It's from your crazy brain or from the enemy or something like that. Uh, following the movement of peace. But also, like, in that moment, you can kind of test things out. So, you are praying and reading your books because it's always lovely to go to the Holy Hour with books yep. and rosary beads and yep. all that That's why stuff. you get more bookshelves. All the time. Absolutely. Uh, and you feel the urge to put that down and just like stare at the Eucharist in silence. Mm-hmm. You're not sure if that's from God. Well, test it out. Right. Just drop your stuff for a while. There needs to be a freedom in prayer. Yeah. 
Like prayer should be a freeing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you don't even have to wonder it's, if it's from God. Just be like, is this what I want to do? Right. Test it out. Yeah. See if it's fruitful. Yeah, I think like, especially when you're starting out with this, if you're like, just have this sudden inspiration, do something like, okay, I'm, I'm reading my books or whatever, and God says, I just have this sudden moment of inspiration to just sit in silence with the Eucharist and just stare. Whether it's from God or not, I don't think you have to worry too much about that because in the early stages, it's like <laughs> anything that's going to bring your attention to Christ's presence is not a bad thing. And and mm-hmm. the devil can't really do that. I think like there is some places in like the very more advanced stages where he can subtly use good for to twist us away from things. But yeah. I think in those early stages, it's like it's worth trying. And it's like I think where people get nervous about it is is how do I know this is from like, how do I know it's not just me? Yeah. Right. I think that's fair, but I always like mm-hmm. this. I, I've actually, I came up with this point earlier this week when someone was asking for some direction on, on a thing in their life and, and they're like, you know, I'm just worried about pride. And I've had a few people say to us, like, I'm worried about pride in this choice. I'm like, well, yeah, it's there. Of course it's there. Like what? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Which choice isn't imbued with pride? <laughs> right. The whole point is not that it's perfectly prideless. It's that, in the pride you recognize you're still going to choose a good mm-hmm. in order to break down the pride over time by chasing mm-hmm. down this good more right so you know maybe it's like but like i but that's different like that's that's you making a choice mm-hmm. um but where is this inspiration from? And, it, and it's weird because it, i've always had a hard time describing it it's a, it's a weird, it's, a, it, it's, it's something, and I think this is actually maybe one way to talk about how to know this is happening. In a way, it's, it's something that's experienced, mm-hmm. sometimes even felt. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that we commonly, it's, it's, not, it's unlike anything we usually commonly experience, I think, I find, right? So that's why it's hard to find an analogy for it. I think peace is like your number one indicator for sure. But yeah, like how do we how do you know this is from God it is that it's, there's this peace. There's this sense. I think actually, yeah, the better way to put this is it comes from a desire to love God, which is always rooted in peace. And it's, it's a movement of the heart, which I know sounds vague, but it's actually like at the heart of what it is. It's, it's Christ is, I mean, it's an act of love from God for you. Mm-hmm. God's loving you in that moment. It's an. Exp- I'm working this out for myself because, like, I thought this would be a good topic. So I want to work this out. I want to talk this out so I can get better words for this. Um. It's an invitation. God is showing you in a special way His love for you and His care for you, and by doing so, it's a movement which elicits a desire. Now, if the desire is get up, get out of here, and don't pray, <laughs> that's probably not God, unless it's like your wife calling you from like an emergency room or something like that. You know, it's like right, right. And this is actually a, a, a good way to approach this question is to kind of uh, the signs that it's not from God, or um, so. For example, you've committed to do, let's say, a holy half hour, mm-hmm. and after twenty-four minutes, you're like, eh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Stick with it for either six minutes. Or um, I've been praying the rosary every day, and this is my time to pray the rosary, but ah, I'm not feeling it today. Prayed anyway. Now, let's say that, you know, your prayer has been the rosary every day, 
And after like a week of like really dry prayer, maybe then it's time to say, like, is the Lord asking me to pray in a different way? Does he want me to pick up scripture? Does he want me to pick up this spiritual work? Okay. I think that's the biggest thing is like when it comes to prayer and what's coming from God, you have to also just allow yourself to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. Because even when you mess up, the Lord's going to teach you. That's part of the learning process. <laughs> it might be that he's asking you to do this because he knows you're going to make the mistake so you can learn it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's really actually important because like I, and I do this a lot. Like, sometimes, like I, I, I mean, I like this idea of finishing books. I like this idea of finishing what I'm doing for spiritual reading, but I've gotten better lately about saying, you know what, this book just doesn't seem to be touching my heart. Now there's always two, I think there's two general reasons why that's the case. Mm-hmm. One, it's either the material's just not doing anything for you. Sure. And it's okay to put it aside or your heart's closed, right? It could be that. So if you're like, I don't want, so let's say you're in, you're praying. You're like, I don't want to use a spiritual reading anymore. I feel like God's moving me. Well, why, why is it because I don't want to, or the material's not asking. It's worthy asking that question and, and spending time in prayer with that. But this is the thing. It's just like this constant movement by God, but, you, but it's only possible to hear it by actually giving him that sustained daily time of prayer. And you need silence. You do need silence. And I think that place of silence with God in that listening to him and speaking with him is so vital today. I actually think it's more vital than anything else. And I think in some ways it's like, we almost like, I sometimes I think I do too much spiritual reading sometimes in my holy hour. I'm trying to do less, like maybe just 10 minutes and then spend like a half hour in silent prayer. And you know what? Yeah, your head's gonna nod off, whatever, I don't care. Just sit there and wait and learn to be patient to wait for the Lord. And I think that's so vital in our life of prayer today, because when that happens, you start to experience these things. And it's like, when I say this, like the heart, I say that on purpose because it is sometimes something felt, it, but it's not like an emotion. Like this is the weird thing about it. This is why it's, it's such a hard thing to describe. And I'm hoping other people, as we're talking about this, recognize this a little bit because it's something felt, but it's not an emotion. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's, 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 the desire to want to choose God. And I think in some ways that's in line with peace. That's your number one indicator that God's asking something or he's, he's making an invitation of love and inviting us to say yes to him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's important to examine your emotions because um, emotions always tell us something. They yeah. might not, be telling us what they seem to be at first. Um, So that's when you uh, take your intellect to examine your emotions. Um, So maybe you're very angry about something. Okay, don't freak out. Don't try to stop being angry at first. Ask yourself, why? What's been going on? When did I start feeling this? What was going on then? Mm -hmm. When was, what was I doing when I wasn't feeling this? Right. Same thing with the other ones. also emotions like joy can be a good confirmation like a joy in the peace a settled uh, heart where god is you know removing obstacles from you and you experience that as a good emotion that's fine you know accept that that's a gift as well um you know sadness same thing the biggest thing is not to freak out in prayer like because sometimes we we want our prayer to be perfect like if it's almost like a test that either we can pass or fail, it was good prayer or bad prayer. Really, the only way you should judge your prayer is what did you set out to do in the beginning? So what is your normal habit that you've set up that is reasonable, is healthy? 
And did you stick to that, that amount of time? And if you do that, then anything else that happens in prayer is going to be good. It might not feel good all the time. But uh, in, I might have mentioned this before earlier on in the podcast, but the best description of prayer that I ever heard was from a priest who said, prayer is just wasting time with God. Like, why, why do you go, why does anyone ever go bowling? It's not because anyone likes bowling. It's because it's an excuse to hang out with your friends. When you go to a coffee shop, like, yeah, the coffee's good or whatever, but it's an excuse to waste time with people you love. Right. And that's what prayer is. That's the only reason you play Dungeons and Dragons. You actually don't enjoy it. Uh, oh, I really do like Dungeons I'm and Dragons. I'm just kidding. It's not a perfect kidding. analogy. I know. I don't, I'm, just, I'm, just is I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But like, uh, like, but while the game is fun, what is more fun <laughs> in yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is being with these people who are my friends. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and so that's what has to be in prayer as well. Um, I think, that, I think, because this question arises from an anxiety, which right. is a normal anxiety. How do I know these movements from God? How do I know I'm praying well? Mm-hmm. Um, and that anxiety definitely isn't from God. So right. the desire to grow closer to God in prayer, that's a good thing. And the yeah. question is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but if you're feeling like really anxious about this, like just chill. Yeah. As long as you're spending time in prayer, God will use it. Yes. And I think, so this is the other thing then. It, it, it kind of brings us, I think, into a, another broader aspect around prayer and just like what the faith means. Because this person, he was explaining to me some of his Protestant background and stuff. And I think often i don't mean this in any offense to our protestant brothers and sisters or anything like that but protestantism does not have a notion of god's in, intimate involvement in the world like christianity like, like catholicism does i should say sorry no. yes they're christian sorry uh, <laughs> you know and by this i mean they don't have a sacramental worldview right where god enters into the material world he enters into our experience and into and that we experience god but god even in in a bodily way so when you're coming in this example from a Protestant tradition, the notion of the experience of God is very um, different. While for the Catholic, God is experienced in a very fully human sense, and He touches everything, including your feelings. So and I don't know what it was like for Him in this case, but I'm wondering if it's like if it was even that sense of like. I felt something in prayer and I think it was God um, could be a shocking thing in some ways, depending on your kind of Protestant tradition, I guess. But, um, but this is so important because I actually think we don't emphasize this aspect enough about what prayer is because then it, it really is, it's a dialogue of love, but God's always the one initiating and loving us. And love is not just a spiritual principle, Right. It touches the whole person, right? It elicits a desire. Um, like you think about a couple when they fall in love with each other. Well, why? Well, the, they love everything about the other, right? Everything. And that's what it's meant to be like with God in a deeper sense. But you, to do that, though, you need to, like you said, you need to waste time. You need to spend time with them. And you need to ponder in silence uh, uh, the God who, to let God, like, we struggle to sometimes know if God's speaking because we do not give him sufficient space to act and time and patience to actually invite us. We want it now. We want the answer now. I did. I listen, God, I showed up for 15 minutes. You did not give me an answer. What the heck? He's like, well, I might not give you an answer for a few months, actually. Mm. 
and it'd be okay with that. And that, because that there's a, there's a kind of discipline there. Not God isn't trying to see how much are we going to prove is our love for him, but rather out of love for us, he knows what human experience needs to grow closer to him. And so he knows he needs to delay sometimes to draw us closer to him so that we can convert and open our heart even more. And the more you give time to just wait in silence, the more your passionate desire for God is actually inflamed. Like one of the things I think about often is Mother Teresa, who in her darkness had an intense desire for God that was constantly kind of squelched by the darkness in a way. But the, the darkness never destroyed her desire. It only made her want God all the more. And I think that is one of those secrets of the Christian life. That prayer then is meant to be this real intimate dialogue. But we need to remove things. Like, and it's like, that's why I get really frustrated. I mean, I get it. Listen, I get it. When you have families and kids, life's crazy. <laughs> but we need, we need silence, man. Like, we need God. We need to give God a space so that we can actually experience him more. Because we can actually experience him. Um, am I making sense here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's also important to understand that God will surprise you in prayer. Yeah. And sometimes um, Catholics struggle with this because there can be a tendency because there are so many good devotions yep. and uh, things with promises and stuff attached to it. And people are wondering why they're not having deep experiences of prayer. Right. Because they are praying. They are putting in the discipline but they're only doing this perpetual novena to saints so-and-so. Right. Yeah. And you have to be careful because while those things are good, are you treating it as if I do this prayer, I get this many points? Right. Because that becomes, it turns prayer into a mechanism Mm -hmm. and God into something, something other than a person, somebody we can manipulate. If I do this much prayer in this way, I get these things from him. Mm-hmm. instead of a relationship instead of a conversation with this holy other person who can surprise you and intrigue you and who you can learn something new about every day so you have to allow for that freedom in prayer mm-hmm. and uh, i mean just to reemphasize, like you you really you should not be judging your prayer especially yeah. at first um now there are the times where i'm like you know i fell asleep at my holy hour let's yeah. say which is uh, an experience that's not uncommon for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Then the next day, I also fell asleep during my holy hour. Now I'm like, well, maybe there's something I need to change so I won't be asleep in my holy hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So you have to do that too. Or um, because let's say you go to prayer and you didn't eat, didn't have your coffee, and you're a coffee person, and prayer felt miserable. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe next time eat something and drink some coffee beforehand. Right. Like your prayer was still worth something. You just weren't there to experience it because you yeah. experience prayer through your whole person, which includes your body. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that you don't have time to drink your coffee, but you like, this is my only time to pray. Well, then you still just go to prayer, mm-hmm. but you try to plan things out better in the future as well. Yeah. Because like you said, it, it, it's prayers and experience of our entire selves with God. Yeah. And it's, When we're praying, it's 
and this is, I think this is my thing. Cause like, I, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot, like it just, you know, generally speaking, obviously again in the confessional, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I say my, I say grace. And I say my night prayers. I'm like, right. That's like, that's not enough. I'm sorry. It's just not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there for a lot of helps and it's actually important. And I've actually come to appreciate devotions and, 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 and like, um, formalized prayers a lot more over the years actually they often are a great starting point but that's like Mm -hmm. but and and it's not to say and just because there's a hierarchy doesn't mean like you ignore the one like you know you think of someone like john paul ii right he loved the rosary yeah he's also a mystic (laughs) um he never stopped praying the rosary yeah right so it's not to say just because you do these higher things the lower things aren't important or anything okay um but it needs to be a launching pad to something more. And I think so often, like, and it's why like, I keep on coming back to this as a pastor, even like, I'm like, we need to teach people how to pray again. Cause I don't think we've actually taught people how to pray. And so when you don't, and when people don't know how to pray, the Trinity seems unimportant. Um, the, um, even how we understand God gets very twisted to a point where it loses its Christian sense. And then, and I think this is a big one for me constantly because I especially hear it with young people who will tell me they know the truths of faith but don't know how to experience God and never really experienced God. Prayer is actually like the launching pad for that in- in- encounter with God and experience. And that experience actually has a place and a role in the spiritual life. That it's not to say I am judging God and I'm judging my own experiences but rather I'm opening myself to experience God. And it's hard too because of like stuff like modernism, which just makes God seem called like this through culture. God seems so freaking distant, right? Mm-hmm. God seems far away. And it's true. He does. We also, it's also like when we're praying it's about like remembering those times where he has been close and it, it kind of bring it back down to that. What we we're talking about at the beginning. Then it's also like using, like it's about like almost bringing to prayer those moments where you've experienced that little nudge, if you will, because it, it really is. It's like a nudge of the mind or the heart sometimes. And that's all it is. Yeah. But to remember those and bring them to prayer constantly, like, it's like, that's part of why God gave us a memory is to remember these. Encamp- we actually forget to do this a lot. You have to actually exercise your memory. You have to use those brain muscles, brain muscles a lot. And, and to remember these things so that when these other things come up in the future, where these other nudges happen, you look back and say, "Yeah, yeah, this is exactly how God acted." And this is how we pray, by the way, in the church and the liturgy, right? If you look at the collect, "Oh God, who did this thing, now do the same thing for us," right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with our prayerful experience and that personal encounter of God. Just as as you did this in the past, I, you know, I need you to do this now, or I see that you're doing this now, and I'm grateful for it, or whatever, right? Like, you see the con- there's a consistency to God in this. And that through this, you know what, you're probably going to make, like you said, we said earlier, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make missteps, but that it's like God's slowly leading you down the path. Yeah. It might be one step back sometimes, but it's, it's often then going to be three steps more forward. And so over time, you're way better off than where you were. And so we ought to just, I think, especially when you're starting off, if you're starting off trying to give God that sustained time of prayer in quiet, um, trust those nudges. If there's something that you think lead to a greater good. And just do it. Yeah. And it's important to realize, like, sometimes we can lament, like, maybe we had a powerful prayer experience sometime in our past or at a retreat, and we think that that moment's over. Mm-hmm. That's not how God works. Those moments where we experience God deeply, yeah. they are wellsprings of grace that you right. can and should go back to, right. enter into again. Yeah. What was going on? What was God saying to you? How did that make you feel? 
that those are, are gifts that will continuously give. They're not something that you can take and then they're gone. They really are wellsprings. And those are especially important when we have moments of dryness, when we have moments of right. darkness. Um, going back to those things because they're proofs of God's love for us. And we can kind of re-enter them in prayer Yeah, and go back to them in prayer. Because whenever God speaks, it's an eternal word. It's not a word that fades away. So yeah. you can go back to it. Yeah. And it's a word that, yeah, it, like you said, it's an eternal word. So it's always speaking to you. Mm-hmm. It's just speaking to you in different fashions sometimes. And, and that all your experience, everything, everything about you can always relate to God. And again, like just also keep in mind that kind of marriage analogy again, right? There are those times where you have that deep, felt, like amazing sense of this person is the most amazing person in my life. And then there are days you feel completely alone and distant from them. If this is how we relate on a human level with human beings, why would it not be the same with the infinite God who is infinitely greater than us? Right. Mm-hmm. This this part of our fall. It's all because in a way it's part of our fallen nature. But it's about opening our heart to just say, God, I want to receive you. I want I want you. And like and so I think that Marian sense of like Mary's receptivity is so vital that that openness to just wait and receive and God will give, but he won't give in a way like, and I say this because I say this in this way, but it's like recognizing like, what do we mean by he will give? I say this because I have some friends who I have a few friends who've been going through some really tough times right now. And so, you know, relationships with God can get difficult in this. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I say like God's going to give, I'm not meaning like, you know, things are going to suddenly feel better, right? I don't mean this in like this kind of therapeutic sense. I mean that we are going to be able, God's going to draw us to see that through everything thick and thin, he loves us. And that's what prayer ought to draw us into. Because ultimately prayer is about building up your hope, which is nothing more than recognizing the presence of God. And when you recognize his presence, you, you gain a clearer sense of his voice and his subtle movements to draw you closer to him out of love. Mm. And that's what we need to be pursuing every day in prayer. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about what happens if you feel like God wants you to say something to somebody else. Can you uh, put it in my heart to tell you this thing? Can you elaborate a bit? Cause that could go all sorts of different directions. Well, because sometimes, um, somebody like if you're in a religious community yeah. and i don't mean necessarily like religious life but yeah. just you're in a parish or you're in ministry or at a retreat you may have the experience where someone comes up to you and says um i felt like god was telling me to tell you this mm-hmm. so the receiving end is actually a lot easier mm-hmm. because when someone comes up to you and says something it will be immediately apparent that, that was a truth mm-hmm. I found this anecdotally through my own experience, yep. through a lot of people's experience. It becomes immediately apparent that that was true. That was for you. Yeah. It's super easy to tell. And if you're ever like, ah, I don't know, then no. Mm-hmm. Just no. Yep. Ignore it. Yep. Because if it's really important, God will bring it to you another way. Yeah. But so often it's just like this immediate boom. Yes, that was truth. That's what I need to pray with or consider or move towards. Um it just is very apparent. Now, what if you think you're the one who needs to tell someone else a thing? What I have found is that the best course of action is to reject it. Yeah. Just reject it. Yeah. And then see what happens. Yeah. Um, other good signs are like, I feel very nervous because this is crazy. But what will happen is, all right, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, 
but oh my goodness, I'm going to go crazy unless I say this thing. Like, it's almost like your very bones are burning within you. Like, you have to, you have to do something. Like, I have to do this thing. And then when you present it to the other person, you do so humbly because you still might be wrong. Like, hey, I've got this feeling in prayer or just at this moment that God may be telling you this and take it or leave it. Like, do so humbly, not with kind of uh, authority. Um, because that, that doing it with a kind of authority, which you, know, you really don't have over another person, you're just brother and sister Christians, um, that can be a temptation to pride. That can be a temptation to manipulate another person. Right. And you can start thinking like, oh, I'm a special conduit for God and I have to go tell all these people all these things all this time, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's bad. Yeah. Um, and also know that that might not happen to you. Right. We also do have different spiritual gifts and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's important like to also know and bringing it back to prayer as well. God knows you and God knows how to talk to you in a way that you'll like. Like this is something that I've continued in my prayer. Like I like the way God talks to me because he gets me. And he doesn't talk to me the same way he talks to other people. Sometimes he finds similarities with other people, and that's super fun, and it's super fun to talk about. Um, and you'll find some universals as well. Uh, but it's okay, like, if someone's really into one kind of prayer and you're not, as long as you're praying, who cares? So I guess that God uses his hands a lot with you. Yes. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's, when it comes to all that stuff there, it's... Um, you're absolutely right. We gotta be careful. And I don't know about you. Like I've been noticing that, that, that what to say as you hear more and more confessions over the years as a priest, sometimes like, you know, the truth that needs to be said, mm -hmm. but sometimes, you know, too, like it was interesting. I was actually reading this in, um, I'm re I'm reading right now. Um, Gregory, the greats book on his pastoral rule. And he talks about how a preacher can be silenced either because of his own sin or the sin mm -hmm. of the people, mm. which I like, ah, that's really, I like, actually, I think he's absolutely right because not just with preaching, actually with preaching and hearing confessions and even sometimes in spiritual direction, there is this like this deep sense of like, shut up, <laughs> don't yeah. say it. I know you want to, because like sometimes it might be my own sinfulness, right? I want to address this problem in the parish. So I'm going to want to preach on the X. But he's like saying, no, you're kind of, you're not coming from it from the right place of love, right? Because I think there's a place where you can be direct and even a little harsh in a homily to call people to conversion. But there has to be like this rooted sense of love in it for people to receive that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're just going to think you're yelling at them or whatever, right? Yeah. And you, and it also because that certainty of love in your preaching needs to be there so that when some people still receive it wrong, you're able to say, I'm doing this because I know... This is in prayer. This is the best course of action I thought I could take. But even yeah. confession, it's like, you know, this person just needs to stop doing X. And things will be better. But God's like, no, this is not the time. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I've had, like, I've had, I've been having more and more experience like that in confessions. Like, oh, yeah. Nope. I actually don't need to say anything right now. I want to. Yeah. I bet I want to. <laughs> exactly. And it's in the sacrament confession. I really think it's about letting Christ work through you more. So, um, it's a, in the end, there's no, I'm hoping that the way we've talked about this and prayer in general helps give some guidance to the question, 
but like Father Anthony said, we all do pray a little differently too. And so, and God, you know, speaks to us according to how we receive things. And he does, he will sometimes though, but this is the thing, as time goes, he may actually ask you to give up a certain way of receiving in prayer and drive to something more or something deeper, or something different because he loves you and he wants you to do something, you know, it's actually for your good and the good of others, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the other thing. Sometimes in prayer, he might actually ask you to receive something in prayer in a certain way, not because it's good for you, because it's good for others. In fact, mm-hmm. I often find that when I receive something consistent in prayer that's unfelt, that's usually my sign of God's giving this not for me, but for others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's not for my own possession. Yeah. It's And that's the way grace ought to always be received. So... I hope and I pray, Alan, for you, especially like with your original questions, helps break it open a little bit more. I hope for everyone else who's been listening that we've been able to talk. It's a little kind of all over the place about prayer, but it's hard. You can't just talk about how do I know God's asking this of me without yeah. talking about prayer in general. And I think it's important to re- revisit it every few months, even on the podcast, just because it's, it is, it's a hard thing to talk about in one way. <laughs> But it's also the most important thing we can talk about because like, and just, you know, for those who have families with young kids where it is hard to get the silence, my suggestion would be like, maybe get an icon in the home. This is just one idea, but just get like, if you could get an icon in the home where you step in a special part of the house, you say, we're all going to go pray to Jesus for five minutes in quiet. And, you know, maybe the kids will or won't be quiet, but you'll be quiet and they'll see you be quiet. And you're going to teach your kids so much just in those five minutes. And they will soak that in and they'll, because they're kids, they're going to imitate you. And so find a way in a space to create silence in the home for prayer as a family, even if the kids aren't silent, because they'll see that this is important to you. This is important to living and they're going to internalize that so much. And then it gives you that time for personal quiet prayer with Jesus every day as well. Cool. 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 Well, thanks for listening. Um, you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can you can find the podcast at Facebook, on Twitter at ClericalPod, uh, on um, where else are we now? Uh, you can email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. I still don't have the script, so I'm just going off the top of my head here. Uh, yeah. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Fr Harrison. You can find me doing nothing tomorrow. Here's my day off. Yay! You can give to the patreon where anything extra we wait we, this way we pray for right we pay for riley and nick for doing all the hard work behind the scenes but also anything extra goes to the daughters of saint paul to help them out with their various projects like that's no plow so if you want to give you can go to patreon.com and uh, clerically speaking and you'll find us there and we will well you'll see father Ant- i won't be around next week because there'll be a special episode next week that father Anthony yep. did with a married couple mm-hmm. so we'll see you all later god bless Peace.